In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we're catching up with the assistant farm manager and beef section manager at Bainsfield Estate in KwaZulu-Natal, Dumi Sogule. He was raised to believe that fun is earned by hard work. And in our agripreneurship slot, MC Luke, the senior manager for agribusiness at Standard Bank, talks about diversification and how it can benefit the agricultural sector, especially at farm level. Chef Karabo Benevolent Liu, also known as Chef Benev, shares his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. It's one of my favorites, chicken. You'll also be empowered with the top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis. And on top of our reading list this week is the Heavy Chef Guide to Starting a Business in South Africa by Fred Rudd, the founder and CEO of Heavy Chef, a community platform for all you entrepreneurs. And of course, our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agri-economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe is a must for our farmers and agripreneurs. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzansi, welcome to episode 44 of Food for Mzansi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and you are listening to South Africa's award-winning Farmers Podcast. Yes, you heard me. Food for Mzanzi recently won three international awards at the 2020 African Digital Media Awards. And I'm Duncan Masiwa. Yes, yes, we brought it home, Dawn. <laughs> I still can't believe that we won the best audience engagement category for our Farmers Inside Track channel. I mean, the show has barely escaped its infancy and already we have an award in our cupboard and it excites me tremendously because we couldn't have done it without our amazing listeners, our amazing guests on the show, and of course our amazing team that puts it all together. This one really, really goes out to you. But today, as always, we kick off the show by introducing you to the movers and shakers in agriculture. And today's guest is none other than Indumiso Gule. Joining us now is 30-year-old Indumiso Gule, a KwaZulu Natal-based assistant farm manager at the renowned Bainsfield Estate in KZN. Gule was raised under the watchful eye of both his grandfather and father, who were avid farmers farming on communal land. Indumiso, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Let's fall right into it. Where does your passion for agriculture come from? Hello to everyone, and thank you for inviting me to do a bit of a talk on this. My passion for agriculture or farming started when I was young. I was born building it, I was born with it. Growing up in the rural areas, it was a responsibility for a young boy to run up the hills and fetch goats, fetch sheep, uh, walk long distances looking for cattle, get a cattle, bring them back. That was a daily routine. On all these walks and searches for cattle, I would have dogs around me. So from then, I knew that that's what I wanted and the care that I had then 
you know, I started expressing it on animals. So at that time, as early as that time, I think I was about 15 when I really realized that I really like animals and farming. Now, you're not only an assistant farm manager, but you're also the beef section manager at the Bainsfield Estate. Of course, the farm is a diversified commercial operation of about 3,600 hectares. Tell us, what does your day-to-day look like at the farm in Demiso? My day-to-day operations on farm, first things first, it starts with health checks. All animals must be seen every day, make sure they are not sick and they are all there before you do anything. But what I could say, what's more important is that as a farm owner or as a farm manager, with your staff, the staff must know about animals as much as you do, be it health, nutrition and everything and behavior. The staff, the people that works under you, you must teach them as much as you can so that you don't become the bottleneck of the operation or of the business so that people can carry on with you being there or without you being there. It starts with the health, checking that and then we do the daily duties if we have to do vaccinations or do dewormings and all that and then the fences to make sure that the animals are kept in there. It's just in this day-to-day necessities and also making sure there's plenty grazing and all that. You've definitely collected a lot of experience over the years not only as a farmer but also working as a health technician at the vet house hospital in peter maritzburg and one point you also provided technical training to students and even implemented systems on a newly established feedlot and you know granted all your experience what do you think are some of the more common errors that cattle farmers make when venturing into farming guys coming into farming and venturing into farming whether it be someone who's never farmed before takes up a lot of money and makes an investment and start farming normally they have high expectations they expect when they see cattle standing they think hey there's a lot of money here I would be making so much and so much and then when they start working it and they realize that the margins aren't that big that there's got to be a bit of work to be put behind before you earn it so some people fail them but most importantly other people start either wrong start with the wrong breed or start buying animals in from the wrong places so when you have a farm where you're gonna be keeping animals you must buy animals that have come from a similar condition with the similar ticks, similar heat and all that so that you don't lose a lot of animals. And then once they arrive, you must then apply the necessary procedures to make sure that they adapt into that new environment. And when people start doing this, it's also good in seeking good advice that's going to take you step by step for at least one year. Now, animal behavior is something that you're very passionate about, Demiso. I understand that there's a little something you do to help better understand the animals you work with. Let our listeners in on the secret, why don't you? Stock improvements are achieved when you do thorough observations. When people are working and getting on about their work, or whether it's early in the morning or midday or after everyone has gone home, go into your cattle or go into your animals and observe and see what they're doing. What times are they grazing? What times are they resting? Are they jumping on each other? What's the condition? Are the bulls bellowing? Are the bulls lethargic? Are they lame? Look at all those things. It is there and when you will realize whether you need to improve your nutrition, whether you need to improve some management things, because animals don't lie. Remember, the animal behavior does not lie. And animal behavior is also an, an outcome of what you are doing. And if you spend a bit more time and talk to the other experts who have spent a lot more time observing cattle and making conclusions about cattle and share what your observations are, that will be beneficial to you. Now, Ndemisa, it's no secret that as uh, South Africans, we love our leisure time. And 
And really nothing beats those delicious moments of free time spent doing whatever you want besides work. But you have somewhat of a different view that is poles apart from the rest of us. And that is that fun or leisure time should in fact be earned. Tell us a bit about this belief and why is that so important? I say this because as a livestock person or as a stockman, if you're a true stockman and you really worried about your animals and you are making money out of that, you will only rest when all the animals are fed, when they have enough food. You'll only rest when you've achieved the winning percentages, the proper bloodlines that you want, the image that you want. Once you've achieved those things and now the systems are there, only then you'll have a peaceful rest. But the target is never achieved. So what's more important is the systems that you put in place, if you are happy with them and they're working for you, then you will only rest. But at times during your resting time, if you go and rest amongst your animals, you learn more and more about your animals. And I'm not saying people shouldn't have fun, but one has more fun when you know that the job is done. Then your heart and your soul is at peace. Right. It's Custom Yon Farmers Inside Track and Demisa to ask our guests two quirky questions. And yours today is rather a request. And that is to give us your best impersonation of the sound that a cow makes when it is hungry. This is funny. Depend how hungry the animal is. When it's too hungry, it's not going to cry. <laughs> it's just going to walk slowly towards you. But what I can say is that each time I come with the bucket and I feed them a leek, some sweets, something that they know they like, they just run down from the hills towards the bucket. And all you hear is the sound of the hooves floor and they will just go, and they just run towards you. That's the best I can do, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Before I let you go quickly, Nubiso, what are your top five livestock management tips for small-scale farmers? When it comes to livestock farming, if you're a beginner, you must buy the right uh, genetics. You must buy the right type of an animal that you like that fits in the area in general. Secondly, when you decide to buy that type of a breed, you must go and find area similar to where you are and only buy from that area. So if you have a three-tick area, you go and buy from a three-tick area. So it's the same environment and insects there. No shortcut. Say. You must supplement your cattle, feed them, you must draw them, vaccinate them. Then that way they will reproduce as expected. Sell all the, the non-pregnant cows, or the cows that don't give you calves. All the cows that are bought, you must sell them. They pose a risk of spreading infection. And mate at the right time, eh? Match the nature, the food availability, and also don't keep calves too long so you can win them at seven to eight months and make that income and invest it back into your head. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in Dumiso Gule assistant farm manager and beef section manager at Bainsfield Estate in KwaZulu-Natal. Coming up shortly, the latest movements in the fresh produce markets. But first, MC Luke, the senior manager of agribusiness at Standard Bank, talks about diversification and how it can benefit the agricultural sector, especially at farm level. MC Luke, happy to have you with us. Welcome to Food Forms, Zanzi. How are things on your side? No, I'm well and happy to be here. So on to today's topic. MC, I often hear companies say what started out as a side hustle today is our core business. What is the significance of diversification strategy in a farm business and why do you need one? The first reason for a diversification strategy in general is reduction in the risk in the portfolio. Um, I could explain it at the end of a definition that say 
Diversification as a risk strategy is a risk management strategy that includes a range of assets and or investments in a portfolio. So the rationale is that the portfolio with different kind of assets will yield a higher long-term yield and reduce a risk in the portfolio to lower than the risk of any individual asset holding. This is where the risk is defined as the variability of return measured through the standard deviation. The second reason for diversification is that it's a way to improve the adaptability of the business. If we look at another definition there, diversification as a corporate strategy is to enter into new product lines, new services, new markets involving substantially different skills, technology, and knowledge. You have mentioned that companies say what started out as a side hassle today is their core business. Those companies, no doubt, have experienced a lot of change. As the market changed, the customer needs changed, companies had to adapt in order to meet those needs and stay in business. Now, what are some of the principles to keep in mind when you're thinking about diversifying your business and how can one go about it, MC? So diversification is about creating new income streams. Economic diversification is a process of shifting an economy away from a single income source towards multiple sources from a growing range of sectors and markets. For example, many African economies are heavily reliant on the primary sector of mining and agriculture. In the South African economy, the secondary and tertiary sectors are much more developed, leaving the country less vulnerable to a downturn in the commodity market. But it all starts with optimizing the existing resources and the way you improve your business. Often the answer lies outside the farm gate. This is about the skills and additional resources needed by the business to accomplish its goals. It is more about the way you grow your business and the partnerships you foster. And that all whilst reducing the risk. Risk diversification consists of the spreading of risk over numerous areas to ensure that the potential negative effects of exposure to any one variable are limited. For example, when you consider a cash crop production under dryland conditions, whether you include grain, oil seeds, or cereals in your production plan, they all are subjected to one variable, and that is the climatic conditions prevailing during the production season. Though they are different crops, they are related. The same is true for small stock that you keep on natural grazing in the Karoo. Whether it's wool, sheep, mutton, or dual-purpose breeds, they are all subject to the same drought. Now, MC, you previously mentioned that it all starts with optimizing the existing resources. What do you mean by that? Could you elaborate a bit? So you've got to start somewhere, and that is with your existing resources available to the business. For example, the type of assets you have invested in, the potential of the land, availability of water, the infrastructure available, the exact location where this property is, the climatic conditions prevailing over the production season in that area, and also the skills and expertise available to the business. That's all unique factors that you need to consider. So let's talk through an example where the farming operation starts off as an extensive livestock operation, say on the high felt, where you produce wiener calves for a feedlot. We all know that the quality of the natural grazing declines in winter, and you need additional feed to carry the operation through the winter months. You have lands available, or you can buy in feed to keep the fodder flow going. What is the quality of the lands? That's an important factor. Say the lands are good enough to establish a grass pastures to support the livestock enterprise. You also need equipment to cut, rake, and bale the pastures. 
You can displace the cost of buying the feed through the change in operations by establishing your own pastures, but you haven't established an additional source of income as the operation is still very much reliant on income from the livestock enterprise. Now say the lands are good enough quality that you can plant grain and harvest and sell it. By that way, you can create additional income stream. But you will need a different set of equipment to produce the grains. And the livestock can graze the harvest remains in winter months to keep the fodder flow growing going. You have now created a more diversified operation, but you also need additional skills and infrastructure to run the mixed farming operation compared to the initial livestock operation. You often are limited to the quality and quantity of resources available to you, to what you can do in terms of diversification. And the rate of improving your operation is often incremental. Another example is, for instance, in the citrus industry. In a citrus operation, they started out by introducing early and late varieties in order to extend the harvesting period. And in the process, utilize the packhouse more efficiently. Initially, the operation had been supplying the local fresh produce market and maybe the juice market. Later on, after obtaining their export certification, they started to export mostly to the EU. But then black spot disease posed a risk to uh, exports to the EU. And then they started to diversify their export markets. So you can have a single crop, but through variety and market diversification, you effectively reduce the risk substantially. We've come to the end of today's discussion, MC. Our next topics will also be focused on diversification strategies. Is there anything in closing you'd like to wrap up in terms of our points that we're sharing today? And also maybe just an idea of what we'll be touching on in our next session. And it's specifically around innovation within agribusinesses. Next time we'll look in a bit more detail on if you have the existing resources, how can you better leverage it and make better use of it, use it more effectively. But then we can also look at growth and what role growth play in your diversification strategy, as well as the risk. How do you actually calculate the risk in your risk management strategy? Thanks for joining us, MC Luke, Senior Manager of Agribusiness at Standard Bank. Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens, bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za. Now, in the wake of the negative impact COVID 19 has had on the food industry, we now share some good news. Tinuko Mageza, Executive Manager for Marketing at the VNA Waterfront, introduces their groundbreaking plan to develop a local food community incubator starring Mzanzi's flavors and culture. It will create jobs and act as a powerful incubator for the food industry. I'm joined today by Tineko Mageza. She is the Executive Manager for Marketing at the VNA Waterfront. And she's here to tell us about an amazing project that was recently announced. And it's really going to be a groundbreaking project that's going to be taking place at the VNA Waterfront. So warm welcome to you. I'm so happy to have you with us, Tineko. 
Thank you so much for having me, Dawn. And it is a warm welcome because, as you said, the weather has been pretty amazing, which is just totally lifted by mood. <laughs> Psychologically, I feel like I'm in a great place just by virtue of the weather. Exactly. <laughs> Same here. Tieko, VNA Waterfront is busy with a groundbreaking project. Maybe you can tell mm-hmm. us firstly about what it's all about and what it's aimed to do. A real farm to plate food experience. Tell us a bit about yeah. it. We have embarked on a project for the development of a kitchen incubator that called Maker's Landing. The space is located at Cape Town Cruise Terminal, so I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the Cape Town Cruise Terminal, but it is actually located within the VNDA Waterfront Precinct. It's where the cruise ship kind of dock, and the space itself is about just under 5,000 square meters of space that in its previous life, before it was part of the cruise terminal, was actually like a fruit export packing facility. So it's got quite interesting provenance within that food space. And the kitchen incubator itself is pretty groundbreaking for us because um, it's the first of its kind in South Africa, but it is a concept and an idea that exists in other parts of the world, like San Francisco and I think Amsterdam. But what it's intended to do is be a space that is a community for food entrepreneurs. It is intended as an incubator as well as a production space that's purpose is to lower the barriers to entry within the sector. We know that there are often socioeconomic challenges that prevent people who are passionate about food to commercialize and transform their passion into a business. So the incubator is intended to take a continuous stream or cohort of food entrepreneurs with the kind of tested proof of concept mm-hmm. and give them a six months to be immersed in an accelerator program that basically sets them up to really understand the business of food. Then they have access to the food production facilities of which they have access to like state-of-the-art type of kitchen equipment to test their product, scale it up, and have the opportunity of getting access to market within the maker's land food market. It's really important for me to say is when we talk about food and we talk about something like Maker's Landing, people automatically think that, okay, it's another food market. And Maker's Landing is, there is a food market component, but it is, as I've described, so much more than that. As I understand it, that this is a 63 million rand investment in partnership with the National Treasury's Jobs Fund, or we also work very closely with that food from Zanzi. Tell us a bit about this and how it all came about to you working with the Jobs Fund as well. For us to really make such a significant contribution and given the transformative element of Maker's Landing, it was important for us to partner with the Jobs Fund, for example, for commercial reasons in terms of actually getting the development off the ground, but also because the space is primarily there from a job creation perspective. So we have predicted about 150 jobs coming out of Makers Landing alone, and that is both the entrepreneurs within the space, like the restaurants and the pop-up market, but also the support staff that will operationalize the space going forward. So that partnership with the the Jobs Fund was really important in kind of keeping us honest to the original premise and the purpose of the space, which is about economic impact, economic sustainability, job creation, skills development, enterprise development, and ensuring that it's not just a vanity project, that there's real depth and substance to it. And why was the harbor chosen for this food emporium? 
It's available space that for the last, I don't know, however many years we've been visioning what can be done with a space of that nature. It's quite a unique and special space. I mean, I spoke a little bit about its heritage, what it transformed into, but also because it's just really at the heart of that working harbor location within the VNA, there's incredible views. It's not a polished kind of super sanitized space. It's gritty. It's hardworking. It was previously a production facility and it was available gross letting space for us to imagine and create something for the city of Cape Town and for the people of the city of Cape Town as well as South Africans. And of course, it will be open to the public very soon. I'm sure you guys are all counting down the days already. But how can people working within the food industry, if I'm a newcomer, I'm a new player, I want to find out how I can get involved, how would they get involved in this initiative? So it is, like you say, it's crunch time. (laughs) We open our doors on the 1st of December. There's multiple different ways that one can get involved, depending on what their objective is. If you are someone who has a food idea or food product that you've kind of more or less tested in your kitchen, for the most part tested it with your target audience, but you're now struggling to think like, I want to scale it up, but I cannot do that in my little Defy oven, for example. (laughs) I want to really know what it means to set myself up as a food business, whether it is producing food or in a restaurant setting, then you can apply to be part of our food incubator or kitchen incubator cohort. Applications for that have not opened yet. We are currently refining the criteria for selection as well as the program itself ourselves together with the University of Stellenbosch, Food Innovation Department, as well as Launch Labs. The other option is if you would want to be a tenant within the space, and we have a number of different tenant opportunities, a range of restaurant spaces that you can take up. There's also a pop-up market space that one can apply for. We are looking for food businesses that meet a number of different criteria. So diversity and ensuring representation and transformation in the business. So that's one of the selection criteria. That there is business sustainability, that the business has the potential to have commercial impact, that there is the sustainable food practices as part of the value chain of the business. And lastly, that it is businesses that align to the celebration of local South African food and local South African heritage in a way that's not contrived or condescending, but is really, truly, authentically South African. So those are some of the ways. There's also a demo kitchen. So there's demo space available to brands and businesses and food entrepreneurs to utilize. It's a beautiful way for the public to experience food. Earlier on, you and I spoke about how there's a need to continue to create, to surface the narrative that food doesn't grow in like shopping center aisles. This presents us with that beautiful opportunity to create the theater as well as the knowledge base around the source of food. And then, of course, I did speak about the market aspect. If you are interested, that's also something that you can explore with Maker's Land. I am so excited about this project and I'm so excited about being able to visit very soon. So if people want to know more, how can they contact you? How can they connect with you and, and, and find out how can they can get involved in various in the various projects? 
easy peasy, check out our website. So you can go and apply for, and there's an application form for tenancy. So that would be my suggestion in terms of reaching out to us. But of course, you can also contact our information desk at the Victoria Wolf Mall. They can put you in contact with the right people. But your best call is to go via our website. Thanks so much for connecting with me today, Nico. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I hope that you'll get everything in place before you launch. Everything in place. It was great to connect with you again. And everything of the best. Thank you so much, Dawn. It was such a lovely chat. Thanks for having me. That was Tiniko Mageza, Executive Manager for Marketing at the VNA Waterfront. We now move from farm to fork right here on Farmers Inside Track with Chef Karabo Benevolent Liu, also known as Chef Benev. And he joins us in our Mzanzi flavor segment to share his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. But of course, you'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessy. This is Chef Benev. My secret ingredient for the perfect African meal, it's chicken. It's available and bred everywhere. It's the cheapest to buy and it's full anatomy compared to pork, fish, goats and lamb. Easy and quick to prepare. Allergic reactions to it are rare and I stand to be corrected, but it's the most consumed protein in Africa. There's not a week that goes where we don't eat chicken. When I was growing up, my grandmother had her own chickens and she loved cooking chicken dishes every week, like any other average South African household. I came up with my own thesis on the full anatomy of a chicken and what it means. Because you can do so many things with it. You can flavor it, you can stuff it, you can even brine the entire chicken before brying it or roasting it. Brining. Brining, by the way, means to immerse it in you know, flavored liquid or water, like for instance, wine vinegar and brown sugar, or water, lots of salt and herbs to penetrate through the entire anatomy and the body of the chicken. Whether we are part or together as one, chicken is an important ingredient and can be a stable in every South African household. It goes beyond our heritage. It's affordable, it's efficient, it's flavorful, it's diverse. You can do so many things with it. And for me, growing up, childhood memories, and if anyone would ask me what heritage means to me food-wise, I'd tell them about chicken. It's good to be back to talk about the goodness of the foods we love. So, who does not love chicken? Please raise your chicken feet now. Chicken definitely is one of my favorite foods, not only because it tastes great, but also because it's a great source of protein that helps build and maintain body strength. So, chicken as a protein source is more versatile than you think in planning your family's meals. Leftover pieces of chicken can be added to sandwiches, soups, and pasta dishes. So if you cook a whole chicken, make sure to keep the little scraps of chicken that you can remove from the carcass. One of my favorite dishes is a tomato-based sauce with chicken that can be served with a baked potato, on pasta, or even on pap. Very easy to make. You take one tin of tomato and onion mix and heat that up in a pan. Add the scraps of leftover chicken meat. Let it simmer for about five minutes. That makes sure that if the chicken has been standing outside for a while, that it's perfectly safe to eat. And then season it to taste with salt and pepper. And you'd be very surprised to see how nice garlic works with that. So add some fresh garlic for great flavor. When you serve this, you can sprinkle some fresh herbs on top, like some chopped parsley or coriander. And that's extra flavor and even more goodness. Enjoy! Sounds delicious. Thanks for joining us, Chef Benev and Andrea Duplessis. 
for more great proudly South African recipes and of course even more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram our handle is at @foodformzanzi and use the hashtag #farmersinsidetrack life in South Africa can be a lot I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. And it is that time of the show where we are drawing closer to the end of another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmers have selected the Heavy Chef Guide to Starting a Business in South Africa by Fred Rudd. In a YouTube interview, Rudd talks about why he decided to write this book. When I looked at guidebooks for opening a South African business, there were two types of things that came up. The one was. Entrepreneur Mag had done a very cool, like a very introductory sort of PDF download that you could get, and it was about ten pages. But then uh, the other thing was these long, like academic and very government-style Latin-style downloads that you could get, and it was just—it really wasn't something that that was very obvious. So I thought, you know, what, the people that we work with at Heavy Chef, a lot of them are young. hungry fire in the eyes startups and i wanted to try and write something and i hope i've succeeded and please email me and like swear at me if it's not if it doesn't fulfill it but i wanted to write something that's truly accessible it's easy to read it's, it's like an urban read as my friend rich calls it like something you can read in 2 hours to enjoy and hustle and enjoy it that's the why i guess why i wrote the book it's always great hearing from the author himself Sounds like a must read for anyone who wants to start a new business. Remember to email your book suggestions to info@foodformzanzi.co.za. That's info@foodformzanzi.co.za. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets. Yes, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much Don and Duncan. As mentioned I'm Dr. Johnny van der Merwe and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT Facebook as well as YouTube pages. But let's go and see what happened to the vegetable market the past week. The potato price increased by 9% to 67 rand 77 per 10 kilogram bag. The Northern Transvaal production region started and resulted in higher volumes this week which can put slight pressure on the prices. Prices may however stay on its high level for this month. The tomato price is expected to spike this week due to lower than expected volumes and may stay on its higher level for the remainder of the month. More smaller sizes is resulting in larger sizes to get a premium at the moment on the market. The carrot price decreased to 377 per kilogram with lower demand this week that may limit any upward sentiment. The onion price continued to decrease to 4.05 cents with volume pressure still affecting these prices downward. 
prices can remain under pressure for September due to higher volumes. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2 rand 80. The garlic price decreasing to 55 rand 70. Spinach on 2 rand 97. Sweet potatoes on 4 rand 83. And peppers on 14 rand 22 per kilogram. Good news is that we are heading for summer and can feel the change in temperatures already. This will of course result in many people to be more health conscious and try to lose some extra winter weight. This shift in demand can be to the benefit of the fruit industry and possibly give some support to demand and prices in the fruit markets. The banana price increased by 8% to 8.02 cents per kilogram with higher demand and lower than expected volumes resulting in prices to likely stay higher over the coming two weeks. Although the latest apple and pear prices remained stable on 6.95 and 7.40 per kilogram, additional demand will likely give some upward movement to these prices over the coming weeks. The orange price increased by 12% week on week to 4.65, but low demand and higher volumes is still likely to impact this price negatively this week. The avocado price increased by a healthy 17% week on week to 18 rand 47 and can likely remain in an upward trend for the time being, especially considering the strong demand for avos at the moment. The table grape price increased to 71 rand 63 per kilogram but may trend downward with high volumes and lower demand likely for the coming few weeks. The pineapple price increased by 10% to 8 rand 37 while lemon prices decreased by 12% to 5 rand 54 per kilogram. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news on the fresh produce markets of South Africa, subscribe to the AMT YouTube as well as Facebook pages. Also make sure to follow Food from Zanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank. Thanks Dr. John van der Merwe. Dawn, that brings us to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, if you love the podcast, share it with your friends, your family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Please stay safe out there and remember to always wear a mask. Also visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Dawn Numdu, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye! You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track Podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.com dot co dot za